All right, it's time to bring in Craig Ellenport, veteran sports journalist. He's the author of NFL 100, the greatest moments of the NFL century. You can follow him on Twitter at Ellenport. Grab the book now on Amazon. Um, Craig, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, pleasure, Ira. Thank you. How are you doing? We're doing great. Um, Craig, before I turn it over to Ira, i got just one question for you, and I'm sure you get asked this a lot. How long did it take you to narrow down to just 100 moments? I mean, the, the list and like the cuts for those final few spots must have been grueling. It was well. It, it was more fun than grueling. Honestly, uh, there were more than a hundred for sure. Uh, you know, as I started writing, things just fell into place. You know, you know, started to research and write these things. Some moments seemed more important than others, and just played around with it. I have no regrets about anything that's missing off this list, but uh, it was a lot of fun putting it together. Craig, the one thing about this is, Ira, thanks again for coming on the show. Um, we talk about books today, and a lot of people say, oh, we can just read that book online. That's an online book. This book is not meant to be read online. This book is or, or through, you know, as an e-book. It is, the pictures are tremendous. Uh, the writing, and it's a coffee table book, and, and I think that's what makes this book. This is the type of book that you put out there, and people come to your house, and you have it sitting out there, and people can look and fight over what the moments are, and the list, and, and those things. So I think for people to understand what kind of book this is. This is a book you really do not want to have as an e-book. You definitely want to have a hardcover uh, copy of this. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, Triumph uh, Books, the publisher, did a great job with it. Um, uh, Jesse Jordan, the editor, picking out some photos. Some great, obviously, so many historic images, recognizable images that football fans um, know and love. And the beauty of Reading this, it, like you said, you can pick it up and put it down, you know, as much as you like. Read a couple of items on the list, uh, and then just revisit. And as you said, yes, definitely uh, can debate with people um, if there are missing moments or where some of these belong higher or lower. And, um, I hope I hope readers have a lot of fun with that. Um, it's always exciting when you see the list. Everybody always goes to number one first. So <laughs> let's start at the number one and and have the, all the moments you chose as what some people what most people call the greatest game ever played, the '58 championship between the Giants and Colts, and the overtime win for the Colts. And what thought went into making that as the number one moment in the hundred years of the NFL? Well, I mean, it, it was a great game. Several Hall of Fame players on both sides of the ball: John Unitas. Uh, Frank Gifford, and so many more. But the the point is that it was one of the first nationally televised games and a, a national champ, an NFL championship game, and the first ever overtime game. There, there there was no such thing. Nobody players didn't really know what to expect when <laughs> regulation ended and the game was still tied. And with the country watching this and the the excitement, the interest in the NFL had been slowly growing over the years. Uh, it was not what it is today until you know and the 1958 title game set in motion the kind of popularity and explosive growth of the nfl that we know uh happened today and it's funny because one thing leads to another in this book in a lot of um, examples and you know after the 1958 nfl championship game there were a number of um well-to-do nfl uh, well-to-do american businessmen who decided they wanted an NFL team, and they couldn't get one, so they went ahead and created the American Football League. And in the 60s, the AFL became a rival league to the NFL, uh, resulting in the merger, which is number three on my list of greatest moments, because that merger between the NFL and AFL really created the NFL that we know of today. 
Yes, and you, and back to even as you said about in terms of television, uh, so many of your numbers. I, I I tried to group them a little bit. You, it, number seven was the the mm-hmm. Monday Night Football game. Number twenty nine was the first nationally televised game in uh, nineteen fifty one. Uh, Thirty one was Congress approves a single network, and then you had the first mega deal NFL network forming, Directv, Fox landing the NFL rights in the red zone. So there's at least ten percent of the list is just TV related. So sort of talk about the connection between television and the NFL more so than almost any other sport. That, that's right, more, more than any other sport. It re, and, and the number one reason for that is number four on my list, which arguably could have been number one, which is the birth of NFL films. Um, Ed Sable and then Steve Sable, his son, after him and with him, had a vision for the way to, uh, a different way to present sports. And they, and this wasn't only TV, but... Uh, you know, they, they had motion pictures in mind with music and drama and script writing and slow motion. Uh, you know, they, they mythologized professional football, and no other major sport had that kind of mythology to it and created a romantic um, feeling for the game of football, which was incredible. But then, as you said, so many other, I mean, television and football are a perfect marriage. You know, birth of Monday night, debut of Monday night football is number seven on this list. Think about 1970 uh, television, a national television. You just had three broadcast networks, ABC, NBC, CBS. So there was a, such limited prime time viewing uh, space inventory. And a network, ABC, decided to dedicate three hours of this limited inventory to live professional football. And that introduced again introduced the sport to so many people who maybe weren't watching on sunday and really opened things up again and to that exponential growth in the 70s and then at number two um was the namath guarantee joe namath guarantee game uh played here down here in miami uh talk about what the thought about i mean joe namath is in the hall of fame he actually lives right in west palm in the palm beach gardens area uh talk about that game and why that game was so important why you made that number two on the list well, and, and, you know, the NFL-AFL merger was, was already agreed to and in place by then, of course, but nobody on the NFL side really thought that the AFL teams were going to come in and challenge the NFL. And so they said, oh, it's nice, we've gained some extra teams, we're going to get some extra revenue. These teams aren't going to compete with our NFL old guard teams. And the Packers went on and won the first two Super Bowls comfortably, and, uh, and, and the NFL thought that's the way it was going to be. Joe Namath and the Jets come in, defeat the Baltimore Colts as such heavy underdogs. And it's funny because Super Bowl four is also fairly high on this list because a year after what the Jets and Joe Namath did, the Chiefs did it to the Minnesota Vikings. And so they, both of those games, uh, they go hand-in-hand hand in really legitimizing the AFL and telling people that this big, this new NFL was going to be legitimately good. Uh, one interesting thing, as I put this together, it really didn't occur to me as, uh, or before this, but, you know, the greatest game ever played at number one on this list, and the guarantee, number two, the winning co- the winning team had the same coach, Weeb Eubank, the Colts head coach for the 58 title game, the Jets head coach in Super Bowl three. Really amazing. The guy is in the, in the Hall of Fame, deservedly so, but he may not get quite the due that he deserves for having been on these two major, major teams. 
Well, you had a number 12, I guess the, the most current game in terms of, uh, 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 on your list would be number 12, uh, Tom Brady's comeback against the Falcons in the 2017 Super Bowl. And of course, the Patriots fill many of those top 100 lists. But in terms of the, the current moment, why did you feel, uh, I guess, the moment in the last 10 years, why did you feel like that would be as the top moment, per se? Well, I mean, if you're thinking about the top moments of the last 20 years, the Patriots dominate that thought. And the challenge, actually, when I put the book together was figuring out in what order the Patriot moments that, that, that are in this book fall into place. And I came, I came out with putting Super Bowl 51 as the top Patriots moment on this list. You, you've got the greatest comeback uh, in Super Bowl history, down 28-3, and they come back. You've got the first and only overtime game in Super Bowl history, uh, and then you've got Tom Brady setting so many records in that game, and you know here he is, perhaps the all-time greatest quarterback. And uh, I mean, he, he didn't have to win this game to cement his legacy, but um, just again the record, the records that he set in that game, and uh, just very impressive. So that that's why they that game for the Patriots topped my list. Um, it- it was interesting. At number nine, you had breaking the color barrier. And it's like if people say, who broke the color barrier in baseball? Everybody knows Jackie Robinson. But it's football is a little different because they, they had African-Americans playing in the early 20s. And then there was a period of time they weren't playing. And then, uh, then in 1946, Kenny Washington of the Rams and a, and a couple other players. And then it, was, it integrated before baseball did. Uh, so that you had that at, at number nine. And talk about a little about the integration of, of football. Well, that's right. So, so very little known fact that African Americans played football way back in the early days of the NFL. I mean, Fritz Pollard uh, was a player coach and, and the first African American coach uh, in professional football, or, and, and so that was impressive. But uh, in 1946, the NFL, both the NFL and the All American Football Conference, uh, of which four of their teams ended up merging into the NFL. Um, both broke the color barrier that year. It's interesting because the the two players who broke in, uh, broke out the uh, broke out with the Los Angeles Rams and broke the color barrier in the NFL, uh, Kenny Washington and Woody Strode, uh, were from UCLA and played with Jackie Robinson at UCLA. Um, a lot of people, if you look it up, will tell you uh, or have said that Kenny Washington was a better athlete than Jackie Robinson, which is pretty incredible. Injuries slowed down his career, but uh, in the AAFC, the Cleveland Browns and Paul Brown, the architect of both that league and the team, his team, the Cleveland Browns, deserves a great deal of credit. And when he broke the color barrier, the two African-American players for the Cleveland Browns were Marion Motley and Bill Willis, who both ended up going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So um, a great accomplishment uh, and, and put out a couple of great players, too. And then one aspect of the book, and it, it is very interesting for the NFL, is that they've had very few commissioners. Uh, and at number 11, you had Pete Rozelle. Uh, 48 was Tagliabue, 54 Bell, and uh, 88. You, had, you put Goodell, Roger Goodell in it at, at number 88. And, but talk about, I guess, Pete Rozelle's influence at the NFL. And, I mean, he gets a ton of credit, that everything's named. But, but talk about really what he did and what, why he's credited for creating the modern NFL. Well, and just as just as we talked about, there were so many of these TV moments uh, strewn throughout the, the book. 
uh, Pete Rozelle comes up a lot in this book, and not just when he was named the commissioner, and he was, he was a PR guy, he was a compromised candidate when he was named commissioner. It wasn't an obvious choice, but he was, he was brilliant, and he presided over the, those mega TV deals and the, you know, the recognized the importance of and made sure that national television embraced pro football. He presided over the merger, which obviously, which as we've talked about, was so big for the NFL. He recognized, he recognized when the Super Bowl era began, he recognized the importance of this game um, and probably was the visionary who had it in his mind that the Super Bowl was going to become an, a major extravaganza and Super Bowl Sunday and pomp and circumstance. And he knew, as a PR guy, how to get the media interested and how to get the media to promote what he was doing. Um, the, the last note I'll mention about Pete Rozelle is he is also listed here in uh, number 38 on my list, which is the NFL draft first being televised on ESPN. Uh, you know, the NFL draft used to be a private selection meeting of players. It wasn't on TV. It wasn't publicized much. Um, and now it's, you know, perhaps the second biggest TV uh, event of the year for football after the Super Bowl. Well, ESPN in 1982 was a fledgling network cable channel that had no programming. And they said, yeah, can we do this? Uh, televise the draft? And NFL owners unanimously said no, because they were worried that agents were going to get involved and we don't want TVs in our off in our selection meeting, and P. Rozelle wanted this to happen, despite the owner's uh, rejection of it. And he went back to ESPN and said, well, you know, they said no, but I can't stop you from covering this as a news event, <laughs> as, as, as news. And so that's how the televi televised draft began, and that was all Pete Rozelle. We're talking to Craig Ellenport. He uh, has the the author of NFL 100. It's a tremendous book uh, detailing the 100 greatest moments of the NFL in their 100-year history. Um, just uh, one last question. You mentioned a lot about uh, the um, rules in, in there in terms of the changing, how the NFL has, has changed. We, we had John Eisenberg, uh, the author of The League, on a few months ago, and he talked about this also, about in number 36, you had the new rules for offense in 78, the free substitution, free substitution because you actually couldn't substitute. If someone came out, like in soccer, they couldn't go back in the game uh, in 59. <laughs> so talk about how the NFL has, has changed with the rules and how they've used the rules to become a more popular sport. Well, and, and in some cases, especially in recent years, it's been to the detriment, right? I mean, a lot of people are not happy about um, too many rules changes and they're being tough on defenses because all they want is offense. But... That, that major one happened in the late 70s and 77, uh, the number 36 on my list with the new rules that were created to help the offense. That was a direct response to uh, the year before when there were, there were uh, an abundance of shutouts and low-scoring games, especially early in the year. And guys like Dallas Cowboys general manager Tex Schramm um, were up in arms over it, and they knew that something had to be done. They relaxed the rules against uh, for offensive linemen. They made it easier that you know the five-yard chuck rule for defensive backs. They made it harder on defensive backs. That was that year was the big one. So I mean we've had this before, and as you mentioned, the other major rule change early in the '60s. You know, as far as free substitution goes, that was the end of the two-way players, and we can romanticize two-way players all we want, but the specialization 
um, even back then in the NFL, created um, the high standard of football play that we know of. And I do want to mention one last <laughs> at number five uh, because we're so we're down here in West Palm Beach. Uh, you had the Miami Dolphin, the perfection team, and 1973. Uh, it is surprising that it there it has not. I mean, not. It, I think it's surprising that it hasn't been matched. Uh, the Patriots came yeah. within a, a few minutes of doing that. Mm-hmm. But uh, but that's why I, talk about that team and why you put them up at at number five. I, I think some people may look at that and think it's too high, but I don't think so. And the more I looked at it for the book, the more I gained even I mean, Look, I have I've got tremendous respect for that team, the, the the perfect team. But I think people and and it, it's as I talked about the one thing that and I understand it eats, gets at their craw is if you see a highlight from Super Bowl Seven when they capped their perfect season, the only highlight anybody ever sees is a blooper that went against them with the Gary premium field goal that the Redskins returned for a touchdown. And, you know, they, they won with great defense and great running game, and that's, that doesn't make for usually for great highlights. And for that reason, I don't think they get the appreciation that they deserve. And I just think about that Gary premium play, and I think, you know, here was, and as I wrote in the book, this team went 14-0 and in the regular season, 2-0 and in the playoffs, and they're about they're, they're about to go 17 and 0 in winning the Super Bowl. They're up 14 nothing with a little over two minutes to play when they tried that field goal. And if the if the blooper doesn't happen, and if the field goal doesn't get blocked, and they don't get it returned for a touchdown, if they kick the field goal, they cap their 17 and 0 season with a 17 nothing victory in the Super Bowl, which, by the way, would be the only shutout in Super Bowl history this team would be looked at on such a higher level than it already is, deservedly so. So, interesting, fascinating to me, and I really think they deserve more credit. Well, hopefully the Dolphins can, can not, will not <laughs> demure that by going 0-16 this year, but uh, as a bookend. But, but Craig, I really appreciate you coming on the show. The book is NFL 100. As I said earlier, it's a coffee table book. It's something you have to buy in hardcover. The pictures are... Uh, the black and white, the color, and the writing—it's a perfect book. It's a, everyone. It's like if you—if you're a sports, if you're an NFL fan, you should have this book, and it should be somewhere on your shelf, on your coffee table, to show your friends and your family. Right, thank you. I really appreciate that.